Thank you for joining us for this sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. Our sermon for today, Sunday, January 10th, 2021, when we celebrate the baptism of Christ, is entitled Before and After Baptism. It's a reflection on a reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to learn more about our open and affirming ministry at the Congregational Church of Needham, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Now, friends, we turn to Scripture, to our reading from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Let's listen together for a living word from God for us in these words from the Gospel according to Mark. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make God's paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my child, my son, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Friends, God is still speaking to the world. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. You may be wondering. You may be wondering how and what I am going to preach this morning. How in the world I'm going to weave together this text from the gospel according to Mark. The baptism we've just shared with this beautiful little baby and family and the ugliness of the events we witnessed this week in our nation's capital, how I'm going to thread this needle. Well, so am I. So would you pray with me, please? Oh, holy God, as always, but especially now, 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts here together always be acceptable in your sight. Always reflect your truth and your grace. In all your holy names, we pray. Amen. First, the easy part. The baptism of a little baby is one of the most precious snapshot moments in the life of the church, the life of, of our church families and of our church family altogether. I don't know a congregation in the world, no matter how much they might otherwise fuss over this or that particular piece of the liturgy, and especially how long or how late a particular worship service might run, that wouldn't gladly take the time to baptize a baby each and every Sunday morning, if they could. There is something so beautiful about welcoming these little ones into our midst and watching them watch us and watch the water and their parents and the pastor, listening to them coo and gurgle and yes, even wail. Something so moving about blessing them on behalf of the entire church, capital C, of Jesus Christ, and realize we are being blessed by them in turn. At the baptismal font, we remember again that something true deeply true about God is being revealed to us in this splash around the kiddie pool, this outward and visible sign of an inward and visible grace, that indeed God's grace covers us, covers all of us and all of each of us long before we can earn it or spurn it. God's love is utterly unconditional, that there is nothing we can do to make God love us less and nothing we can do to make God love us more. That God, in fact, loves us perfectly from long before the beginning until long past every end, forever and ever. Amen. And so we welcome this little one into the world and into the church, and likewise in them, we welcome God into our hearts once more. What a gift. But the, the reality is there is so much more that goes into a baptism than the brief moment up in front of the congregation. Let's be real, for the family involved, there is an awful lot of baby wrangling and family finagling that has to happen to get to this point. Finding a date that works for the family and for the church. Coordinating travel arrangements for those coming from out of town, taking care to treat all sides of the family equally navigating very different understandings and different senses of urgency around the baptism itself, depending on the religious traditions of those involved or not, naming godparents or not, unpacking that heirloom christening dress and stuffing the pudgy present generation into it. Huh. 
Okay. Here we go. Packing the diaper bag with extra diapers and wipes, please God, no, plus the right binkies and blankets and a Ziploc bag full of Cheerios. Praying everyone arrives at the church on time and with a minimum of bickering and embarrassment. Praying the baby stays asleep until immediately before the baptism and goes to sleep again immediately after. And please, 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 dear God, don't let them spit up on that heirloom christening dress in front of God, the church, and grandma. And all of that is in a normal year which this year is most decidedly not. So much preparation to welcome this little one who like their older brother Jesus comes among us, a child of God, beloved by God, and a sign of God's love for us and God's kingdom rising among us. But as a congregation of Christ's church gathered here, we are not just the studio audience for this blessed event. We are not just passive recipients of this gift. We have a role here, too. We have a part to play and promises to make and promises to keep if we intend to receive this gift well. For God's amazing grace does come to us without strings, to be sure like a little child, like this little child, but not without a call, a call to responsibility, a call to take responsibility. Every baptism, therefore, is an opportunity to remember that call again. And by reaffirming our commitment to this little child of God, so reconfirm our commitment to all the children of God, to all creation our commitment not just to welcome them and love them and enjoy them and dandle them on our knee, but to care for them. And not just on Sundays, but every day. And not just for that one brief photogenic moment when they're front and center in our thoughts and prayers, but long before and long after as well. Every baptism is an opportunity to ask ourselves just what sort of world we are welcoming these little ones into and what we're doing about it. And my God, friends, this week we have got to wonder. I want to be very careful about how I talk about the terrible events of this week. The riot the act of armed insurrection we witnessed in our nation's capital on Wednesday. I don't want to mince words. This is not a time. It is long past the time. I want to call a coup a coup. And I want the individuals responsible, from the insurrectionists themselves to the government officials who encouraged them, all the way up to the president himself, I want them all to be held responsible to the fullest extent our laws allow. But I also want to talk about our responsibility. Because truth is, the awful truth is, to anyone who's been paying attention The events of this week may have been shocking, but they certainly weren't a surprise. 
no one should be surprised that conspiracy theories have taken hold in our society where we give equal, if not more, airtime to sensational lies than to the plain truth. No one should be surprised that the constant stream of dog whistles from some members of Congress, other public officials, and yes, the President of the United States, had their intended effect of whipping their most extreme constituents into a violent frenzy to accomplish their purposes. No one should be surprised that right-wing white rioters were allowed to run wild in the halls of the Capitol building while Black protesters are met on those same steps with the full force of a completely militarized law enforcement. No one should be surprised that only one white rioter was shot and killed when we all know full well if the tables were turned, there would be black and brown bodies left lying in the streets as almost every day across America there are. No one should be surprised that even though a police officer was beaten to death by those same white rioters, precious few on the right have raised their usual cry of blue lives matter. No one should be surprised that these insurrectionists carried crosses and signs proclaiming their love for Jesus and Donald Trump, his chosen instrument on earth, Given the white nationalist theology that has come to dominate the evangelical right and the ways those same sentiments still colored the core of most of what we dare to call mainline American Christianity today. No one should be surprised that for all too many of us white folks, it was the sight of a precious symbol, a building being defaced that really unsettled us and not the everyday diminishment, dishonor, and degradation heaped upon our black and brown and immigrant women and queer and transgender and disabled neighbors. And to top it all off, no one should be in the least surprised that through it all, there was hardly a mask in sight despite the apparently perfectly deniable fact that nearly every day in this country, we're setting a new world record for pandemic deaths. Why should any of this surprise us? This is the world we live in. This is the world we've made or allowed to be made on our watch which given the resources and privilege we enjoy in this nation as a whole and in this community and communities like ours across the country amounts to pretty much the same thing. Friends, no nation in history has enjoyed more choices than we do, more choices in who we want to be and where we want to go and what we want to do. And this is what we've chosen. This is what we are. So now, the seemingly innocuous occasion of baptizing this little one offers us an opportunity to ask ourselves if this is where we want to stay, if this is the world we want to welcome these little ones into. And if not, if not, if baptism really is a sacrament and more than a sentimental photo op, what we are willing to do about it. 
Because as with the baptism itself, there's a lot more to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower in his ways of justice, peace, and compassion than simply showing up on Sunday and saying cheese. As the prophet cries out, at the very beginning of the gospel, we must prepare the way of the Lord and make God's paths, pathways straight into the heart of the wide, wild world and our hearts. And the promises we make, the vows we take in baptism, parents and congregation together, they tell us exactly how to do that. The roadmap is laid out. Every time we celebrate this sacrament, we are reminded of our call as Christians and asked to reaffirm our commitment to the holy project of the revolutionary love gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's those baptismal promises that I want to sit with and reiterate once more today in the wake of all that has happened, in the midst of all that is still happening, still going on and going wrong in our nation today, I'm going to ask you now, friends, to find some water, a cup, a glass, a bowl. It doesn't matter what kind. It's all going to be holy water by the time we're done. But I want you to be able to touch that water, to connect your body as well as your heart and your mind to these promises that we are asked to make. These are not just baptismal promises. These are the core promises of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The baptism just recalls us and reminds us back to that reality. But this is what our faith asks of us at its heart. And so with each question, I'm going to ask you to touch that water. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get wet. You're right there. You're at home. You probably have access to a towel. But feel the water. Don't just dab at it, but feel it. Know it. This is the gifts of God and the good gift of water for us and the call of God in these promises. So let's begin. Friends, do you claim your own birthright as a beloved child of God? If so, say, I do. Will you boldly and openly resist oppression and evil and manifest justice, peace, and compassion in your own life and in our life together? If so, say, with God's help, I will. Will you overcome your reticence to witness to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit already at work in the world in the most unexpected places, in neighbors, strangers, even enemies, in the church, and in us? If so, say, with God's help, I will. Will you unapologetically preach and teach and live the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way that your children and your neighbors, everyone will know they too are beloved children of God, worthy of God's love and our respect and responsibility? If so, say with God's help, I will.
Will you actively encourage one another, our neighbors, our nation, to turn away from evil and live into freedom, true freedom that is more than mere license to act as we please, free from correction and consequences, freedom for new life, abundant life for all. If so, say with God's help, I will. And will you, without prejudice or partiality, affirm God's unshakable love for all persons? Because all persons everywhere are made equally in the image of God and called to live lives of abundance and beauty and joy. If so, say with God's help, I will. If so, say with God's help, we will. And now we ask God, as you did in the beginning, O Holy One, let your spirit move over your people and bless us. Set us apart from a common to your holy purpose, that those who pass through these waters and through this community may be gifted with an abiding awareness of your love for them, your intention of wholeness for their lives, your call to serve, and your grace, which will bear us up. This we pray on behalf of the entire Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, and the Church Universal. Beloved, let us greet this sacrament and take up this call with joy, a joy that will transform not just us, but the whole world. In all your holy names we pray, O oh God.